Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, if you'll take your Bible and find your place in Matthew chapter number 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 6. Good morning. Good to see all of you who are here. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us today, <clears throat> we are honored and delighted to have you. Please let us know, as uh, Pastor Todd mentioned earlier, if we can do anything for you. <clears throat> we'd love to answer any questions about our church and help you in any way that we can. It is good for us to be together on this uh, February Sunday, and may the Lord bless you. We're honored to have you. Glad all of you are here. We continue to think about this very, very important habit of prayer. <clears throat> How is your habit of prayer? Well, as followers of the Lord Jesus, the Lord has given us some words about how we're to pray. And we've, we've been some time in these words, but these are important words. They're valuable words. <clears throat> and we want the Lord to teach us how to pray. One day the disciples were hearing the Lord Jesus pray. And when he finished, they said, teach us to pray. And from that, he gave these words. <clears throat> so we read now together, beginning in Matthew chapter number six, but in verse number five, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners <clears throat> so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, verse 6, that is you disciples, this is for us who are disciples, but you disciples, when you pray, go into your inner room, <clears throat> close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please now pay very close attention to verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Heavenly Father, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us as your children, O Heavenly Father, for our sins which grieve and offend you. You have seen in us as your children times when we have been disobedient to you. We will not do your will. We resist your will. We ignore the word of God that we know to be true. And we treat others in unchristlike ways. We ask for your forgiveness in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ, our advocate and our great high priest. Against you and you only have we sinned, O Lord. Forgive us of our sins today before we come to your precious word so that it might have a true and real impact in our lives. Restore us to the joy of our salvation. 
And today we freely forgive those who have sinned against us. They are free. They are released. We release them. And we ask that you would help us to live as forgiven people forgiving others. We forgive as we are forgiven. Today, Heavenly Father, I pray that you might call out from this church and from other believing Christian churches in Tennessee, young men and women who would be willing to go to school and then serve as missionaries, as social workers in the Department of Children's Services for the state of Tennessee. We need missionaries. We pray for laborers to go. We pray for some of our young ones. We pray for others who are still of an age that they can step forward and say, I will go and I will be a worker with these foster children. How we pray that you would call them out. We pray for your loving care for foster children today being moved even today from one home to another. They are confused. They do not know what to do. They are afraid and they are worried. We pray for them today that you would calm them and that you would be, as you promised, father to the fatherless. And we plead the cause of these fosters today. Open our hearts now to the word of God and may we hear what we must hear today to be able to pray as you want us to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we come back to Matthew 6 and we come to this Next petition. Now it actually has a request. This is the only place in the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. And let me say that to begin with. First of all, this is not a lost man or woman's prayer. This is not what lost people pray. This is for disciples. I'm talking today to followers of Jesus who are in this room. You must dial in now with me. Pay attention. Listen to what I'm saying. These are, <clears throat> these are the words that the Lord teaches every disciple to pray. Yes, literally to say them because they'll help guide your praying. They'll help you think, focus as you pray to God the Father. But they also remind us of these very important essentials that are a part of praying. You've gone now to your secret place. You're now about to pray. And you've prayed, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, give us. And now you say, forgive us. Forgive us our debts. The focal truth from this today, both a request and notice the last part of verse 12 is a confession. Now we're confessing something besides our sins to God. We're confessing that we have forgiven. Are you listening? We have already forgiven as we come to prayer. We have already forgiven those who have sinned against us. This is how we approach God in prayer. And when you pray, you pray for God to forgive your sins as you have forgiven others as you come to pray. Now that's the way we pray. We don't come with our, <clears throat> with our hatefulness and our bitterness and our unforgiveness. No, we come having dealt with it before our Heavenly Father before we pray because we've been warned. This jeopardizes our relationship with God when things with others are not right and we won't forgive them. Why do I need to ask forgiveness 
for my sins if I'm already forgiven and justified. If I've already experienced the grace of God, if I'm already eternally saved. And we've talked about this endlessly when we were in 1 John talking about blessed assurance. Yes, we have blessed assurance. Yes, we're saved forever. Yes, the glory of God comes in our life and He washes us clean from sin, past, present, and future. But you see, He's washed us clean. It is our position now in Christ. We're forgiven. We have His righteousness. But we still sin. Even as those forgiven of sin, we fall into sin. So we come and we say, forgive us our debts, sin debts, as we have forgiven our sin debtors. Do you ask God the Father to forgive your sins? Are you willing when you come before God? Look, here's one thing that will help you. As you consider the sin in your life, when you know you've sinned against other people, you know you've sinned against God, you've been disobedient. When you go to that secret place, go ahead and specifically confess to God the Father what you have done. I mean, say what you have done. I have done this. I have said this. I have thought this. Oh, you say, Pastor Mike, he already knows, but you need to hear it. You see, part of confessing sin is to hear what you've done. When our children come and they've done something wrong, well, what did you do? What did you do? Well, I took the crayon and I painted. I, I, I drew all over the wall. Okay, you said it. You've said it. Well, I took the toy away from Billy because I wanted it. Whatever it is. We ask for confession from our children and our grandchildren. I'm asking you today, when you go to the secret place, oh, do you just come with your list of wants and desires from God, but you're not willing to come first and say, our Heavenly Father, not only give us our daily bread, but forgive us. This is what all the church prays, because this is a problem for all the church. There's not a person here today listening to me that doesn't have an issue with forgiveness of sin and forgiving others who sin against us. This is something that will touch everybody in here or who hears my voice. Do you confess your sin when you pray? And when you pray, do you confess to God the Father that you've forgiven others? He already knows what's happened in those relationships. He saw it. He knows that it was not appropriate what they've done to you. He knows what they said to you. He knows how they treated you and harmed you. But have you come having dealt with that in your own mind? I like what one old preacher, Lloyd-Jones, said, Who can say, forgive us of our sins? Only the one who can say, our Father. That's exactly right. This is a, this is a disciple's issue. Coming to the Lord and saying, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. People have done me wrong. People have sinned against me, you say, but I have sinned greatly against God. So we have three observations I want us to look at today around this phrase, this petition and this confession. Number one, pray, Heavenly Father, forgive us our sin debts towards you. That's the first thing I want to talk about for a moment. Secondly, as we're praying and we say, forgive us our, sin, our, our debts, we pray, Heavenly Father, forgive us our sin debts toward others. 
Not only have we sinned against God, but we've sinned against others. And that includes every believer in this room, in this building today, including the preacher. And third, we're going to talk for just a moment about this last confession that we make when we go to pray. Not only do we confess our sins, but we confess that we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. We pray, Heavenly Father, we have forgiven those with sin debts against us. Well, we have lots to think about today, don't we? I would say to you all today, having been a pastor and I, for a long time, perhaps the greatest struggle, the greatest bondage that people deal with in their life, believe it or not, even beyond addictions to alcohol and drugs and other things, the greatest tormentor, the greatest bondage today is unforgiveness of people's sins against us. Living in a spirit of unforgiveness. That's what you must do when you pray. You not only deal with yourself and your sins toward God and others and confess it as a believer. I'm talking to Christians now. But you also say, Lord, I've done my business. I've done what you expect me to do as a child of God. I have forgiven those who have a sin debt against me. Number one, we pray, Heavenly Father, forgive us our sin debts towards you. Pastor Mike, what does the word forgive mean? It means literally release. Release us. Release us our sin debts. Release us our debts. As we also have released our debtors. It is the word to release, to remit. It's a word to take it away, to take it off, to mark it away. It's to release. And what is debt? Well, it's something owed. And that's what sin is. Sin is a debt toward God. And when we sin toward others, it is a debt toward them. And when others sin toward us, it is a debt toward us. So we must deal with God forgiving us for our sins and our debts toward Him and the way we've treated others. And we must, as God's people, forgive those, release those <clears throat> who have sinned against us. You see, disciples of Jesus pray for forgiveness because we remember how great an offense sin is. Does it trouble you when you sin in the presence of God in thought, word, or deed, and you don't even care that you're doing it in the presence of God? He sees you. The one you have prayed and asked, have mercy on me. The one you have begged, God, get me out of this situation. Lord, help me. And then he sees you in daily life as a believer, saying, thinking, doing things that are not gospel honoring, that are not actions of holiness, and it does not trouble you. Well, you see, 
The believer who is walking with God is struck in his heart or her heart and burdened and shamed and grieved that they have sinned against God. You see, that's the mark of walking right with God. But when your heart is hard and you don't even care if God knows that you're living in open sin again as a believer, you're in a dangerous place, my Christian friend. You see, disciples of Jesus pray for the forgiveness of their debts even though we're saved. We've been forgiven and we need more to be forgiven. That's what grace is all about. Thank you, Brother Scott. Thank you, choir. Yes, we're forgiven. Yes. What does Paul say? You were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your heart and he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our sins past, present, future, hallelujah, praise God. I'm saved, I've received the righteousness of Christ. I am now in Christ, Christ is in me. The joy of my position in Christ, but then here I am. I'm still on the earth. I still have this old nature. Paul said it this way. He said, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me, it's still in me. The world system, the devil, pressures and troubles. I'm in the world and I get pulled into it again. And I have sin in my life. I'd like for you, and I'm going to ask you to turn to several places in your Bible today because I want to make this very clear. So I'd like for you to go first of all, as we make this point about believers in Christ, being forgiven, but still needing to be forgiven in 1 John. I'd like for you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. If you'll turn there real quickly, I want to move along, but I want to take the time to do this because I want you to follow my thinking today a little bit more carefully. We pray, Heavenly Father, forgive us our sin debts towards you. So you see, believers, this is very important for you to know. Look, your fellowship with God the Father depends on you being willing to come and confess your sin. Some of you are still holding it back. Oh, you've gone and prayed and asked God for what you need. You've gone and perhaps even worshiped God, but you won't say, you won't say, you still have those secret sins. You still have that right eye sin, that right hand sin, those little secret things. You still go, you think nobody sees you, but God sees you. It ought to break our hearts. John says it this way, 1 John 1, 6. If we walk in the, if we say that we have fellowship with him, are you saying that today? I'm a Christian, I'm a saved man or woman. Well, that means you're saying I have fellowship with God. That's what, you can only have fellowship with God if you're saved and born again. Okay, I have fellowship with God, you say. Notice, if we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, that means you won't forgive. That means you have unconfessed sin in your life and you like what you're doing. Long time before people commit adultery, they get in relationships that they ought not to be in. They're walking in the darkness. Long time before people ever become an open thief, They have covetousness driving their mind and soul that leads them to do terrible things even in business. I even have people who steal money in the church house. If you say, I have fellowship with God, if, please notice all the ifs, these are conditional. If we say that we have fellowship with Him 
and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. You're lying if you say you have no sin, though you're saved today. We all do. We continue to have an issue with our old nature and walking in this world, and we stumble and we fall and we sin as believers. But notice verse 7, if you walk in the light... As He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Notice fellowship comes with one another. Right relationships come with one another when we walk in the light, when we're right with God, when we're right with Him. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. That's how fellowship is maintained. If we say that we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins... He's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians. Christians, if we say, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. This is what we pray. We pray... <clears throat> I've been, I've been in the darkness again. I'm hiding, doing things in the dark that I don't want anybody to know. You see, men love darkness more than the light because their deeds are evil, we learn from the Lord Jesus. If you're hiding secretly and you think no one will find you, everything you do in secret will be revealed. And you reap what you sow, even as a Christian. That's why your heart is so hard. That's why you're so miserable. It's because you have unconfessed sin in your life. What do we see happening with those dear, wonderful, the wonderful work of revival again at Asbury, which has happened before, that little college, that little Christian college, those college students day after day, hour after hour, 24 hours a day, praising God and confessing their sin. This is what all of us must do. I come to my prayer closet and I come there. I've been out in the world. My feet have gotten dirty. My hands are dirty. I don't have clean hands and I don't have a pure heart. I've been contaminated again from the world. Though I might act like I'm holier than thou, though I might act like I have no sin, I know the darkness of my heart again. I've gone back to sin. So when we pray secretly, we're grieved. The Holy Spirit keeps telling you, this is not what you should do. This is not what you should think. This is not what you should say. This is not where you ought to be. I'm talking to you believers today. And you come to your prayer closet and you say, first of all, sometimes we don't go to the prayer closet because we don't want to talk to God about what He already knows. That we have sin unconfessed and we have Dirty hands and dirty hearts. And we're not where we ought to be. And secondly, we forget this very important matter that we have sin against other people. I want you to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4 for a moment. Ephesians 4. And I want us to look now. So what Paul is talking about here is he's talking about relationships between believers with each other. Everybody in this room <clears throat> knows that the church house is not exempt from broken relationships 
and bad relationships and sin against one another in the church. The Lord Jesus said to us, let your light shine. The Lord Jesus said, be salty. Look, a salty Christian, the way you keep your saltiness and your taste is to keep your sin confessed in your life. And every day you walk with God. But oh, it's one thing when I've been disobedient to God, not doing His will, and I've not worshipped, and I've not spent time with Him, I've not been in the Word. It's quite another when I've also, though I've worshipped and I've read God's Word, I go out and I sin greatly towards someone else. And I say things to them, and I do things to them to harm them, to wound them, to destroy them. It is sin. And it happens in the church. So Paul right? the early church was not exempt from this same issue. Some of you want to all go back to the first century. Have you ever read the book of 1 Corinthians? Have you ever read the, the words of the Lord Jesus to the seven churches of the Revelation? Oh, I want to go back to the primitive church. Yes, you had sinning Christians there just like you do today. Ephesians 4, Paul's talking about the Christian walk. And he says, therefore, now he's writing to believers. I'm speaking to the believers of First Baptist Church, Dixon. Therefore, lay aside falsehood, speak the truth to one another, for we are members of one another. Do not be angry and be angry and do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity, verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for building up edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving Present tense. Each other. Keep forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We lay aside our falsehood. We speak the truth. We don't steal anymore. We labor to have something to give to someone else. We don't speak with unwholesome words. We just keep our mouth shut. If we don't have anything useful to say. We speak in such a way that our words will always be an encouragement to someone else. And we lay aside, look at this string. Look at this string of bitter pills. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slandering be put away with you from all, with all malice. You know why? I'm convinced of this. You know why? You know why there's bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander? Because there's unforgiveness, unconfessed sin. Look, lies cannot be taken back. Words cannot be put back in your mouth. 
the old rabbi's tail. I have a picture in my office if you come in. It's sitting right there where I have some chairs. And there's a man with his hands up and the rabbi has his hand sitting in the chair on his cheek. And the man has got his hands up and there are feathers flying all around him. Now here's the story. The man says to his rabbi, Rabbi, I have said some terrible things about another person that are not true in our community. And I need to make it right. What do I do? The rabbi says, go get a feather pillow. Cut the pillow open and take a feather. One feather at a time. Carry them and put them on the door stoop of every house where you said to one of our neighbors something terrible about this man. The man goes and does it. He comes back and says, Rabbi, I've now done what you've told me to do. Expecting some great word of encouragement. He says, what do I do now? And the rabbi says, now go pick up all the feathers. And the man says, Rabbi, the feathers have all blown away. And the rabbi says, your words cannot be taken back like a feather blown by the wind. You thought your words wouldn't matter that much. You thought your words were deserving of the other person, regardless of what they've done. You thought your words of slander and destroying someone, now you can write them, not just say them. Now you can text them and type them. Now they can electronically stand on someone's account online, however they want to do it. You see, words cannot be taken back. Bitterness breaks relationships. Anger and clamor separates friends. And slander destroys the reputation of the innocent. And all of us have done it in this room. Heavenly Father, forgive us our debts. Debts towards you, our sin debt towards you, and our sin debt toward others. Now, we have one more thing to see. We are not going to cut this short. We're going to finish this up because it is our duty to hear the rest of this. Now, pray, Heavenly Father, we have forgiven those with sin debts against us. I'm not about to say something that what has happened in your life wasn't real sin, really harmful, really destructive, and should not have been done to you, but it was. I understand that. There are some in this room who have not forgiven some, and those people are dead. They're dead. Listen to your pastor. What good is it doing you to have unforgiveness toward the dead? What good does it do you to have unforgiveness toward anyone? This is why our blessed Lord teaches us here the importance of coming to prayer, ready to confess with deep sorrow and godly sorrow our sins with repentance, but also coming to say and confess, I have, notice this is something you do in your mind. This is where forgiveness starts. You release them. You release them. You release them. 
the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Listen, Luke 6, 37. Pardon or forgive, and you will be pardoned. What did the Lord say to us here? If you forgive others for their transgressions, this is Matthew 6, 14, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is not work salvation. This isn't a prayer about being saved. This is a prayer about maintaining your relationship with God. And God says, I forgive you and I expect you, child of God, to forgive others. Someone says, now let me talk to this way. Let me say it this way. You know, when you have unforgiveness, you can't get that person off your mind. Why, you wake up in the morning, there they are. It's like they travel with you everywhere you go. You wake up and there they are in your mind. You go to lunch, you try to go to work and try to get things going busy. As soon as you have a break, they're back on your mind. If you do try to pray, you pray and they're back on your mind. If you're trying to read your Bible, they're back on your mind. You go to bed at night and oh, you almost dread it. You lay down, it finally gets quiet and they're back on your mind. And this is what you say every day. So-and-so owes me. They owe me respect. They owed me love. They owe me an apology. They owe me money. They owe me property. They owe me grace and kindness. They owe me. This is what, this is what someone who holds their sin, the, the sin of someone else against them as a debt and will not forgive it. They're saying in their mind, they owe me. They owe me. And then generally what happens is there isn't any kindness. There isn't any tenderheartedness. There's vengeance. There's anger. And if you let this toxic matter of unforgiveness stay in your soul, it will consume and eat you up. That's why you can't pray with liberty. That's why there's no joy in your Christian life. Because you you will not forgive those who have a debt they can never repay to you. I ask you now to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number 21. Matthew 18, 21, you need to mark it in your Bible. Boys and girls, we're going to be talking about this in the days ahead. We're going to be looking at some more of the Lord Jesus' stories that have great eternal truths in them. Here's one of those stories. Sometimes they're called a parable. So here we have in Matthew chapter number 18, this question of Peter. Peter always seems to ask these questions, doesn't he? Then Peter came and said to the Lord, how often, this is, this is Matthew 18, 21, how often... Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. 
But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife, children, and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell on the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe, or you owe me. You owe me. You owe me. So his fellow slave fell to the ground, pleading, Have patience with me and I'll repay you. Verse 30, But he was unwilling, and he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported their, to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Some of you today are living with the greatest torture of all. You know what the torturer is? Unforgiveness unforgiveness of someone and the sin they've done towards you will bring unforgiveness is a torturer. A torturer. It will plague your mind. It will affect your mind in such ways that it can make you even physically sick. Unforgiveness is like Cancer spreading through your body. It is toxic and corrupts you in every way. And so the Lord Jesus teaches us that as forgiven people, the forgiven of God forgive like God. The forgiven of God forgive like God. Believers forgive like Christ. We have compassion. We have kindness. We have humility, gentleness, patience, sincerity, and we fully and frequently and repeatedly forgive because that's the way we are forgiven. I would say to some of you today that the greatest need in your life, you see, you can't finish the prayer, can you? You can't finish the prayer. Oh, you can say the words. You can say the words. You can quote the disciples' prayer. But you can't pray it. It's not real. It's not, it's not genuine. It's not sincere. Because you won't forgive that one. You still believe they owe you a debt. 
greater than you owe to God for your own sinfulness and your own debts. I appeal to you, my friends, remember today what this prayer helps us do. It leads us to live a life of forgiveness. Grace that is greater than all our sins leads to being gracious believers who forgive others. Listen, all their sins. Well, Pastor Mike, maybe to this degree. No, all. You mean that one who did physical damage to me and hurt me? All. All. All of it. Every bit of it. So that you can be free. So that you can live in the joy of the Lord again. So that you can be released from your bondage. The chain some of you drag around today is the chain, ball and chain of unforgiveness. And until you finish with that, you can't soar. You can't be filled with the Spirit. You can't live in the joy of the Lord. It's just going to keep torturing you. Maybe today's the day you say, I am releasing old so-and-so. I am releasing them. I am forgiving them. If they're not alive, forgive them. If you have to and it's such a hard thing, write them a letter. And then once you write it and tell them that you've forgiven them, you're done. Be free. Be free in Jesus Christ. That's what this prayer is meant to do for us. So what do we remember today? Believers' everyday sin must be confessed to God every day, every day. What do you mothers tell your kids when they've been outside, especially in all this rain? Take your shoes off and get cleaned up before you come in here. I say to my Christian friends, we're going to go back out into the world now. It's not going to take long for you to turn on your devices and there it all is around you again. You're listening to it all. You're seeing it all. What will you do? What will you do? Believers, every day sin must be confessed to God the Father. And nothing should grieve us more than allowing sin to break our fellowship with God. Some of you haven't had a good talk with the Lord in a long time because you think you're hiding your sin. God doesn't see it. Come clean. You'll feel better for it. Come clean. You'll rejoice again. Come clean. You'll hear the Holy Spirit again. You see, the forgiven forgive. The forgiven don't think about it. They do it. Because it's been done to us repeatedly. Release your sin debtors from their debt. And if you carry around in your mind a sin debtors list, they owe me, they owe me, they owe me. Boy, I was over there. They did me wrong. They did me wrong. By the way, you've done people wrong the same way. Unforgiveness of others blocks our walk and our prayer with God. Here's the way we... You know what you owe every person? Love. Owe no man anything, Paul said, but this. Love. You owe them something. You owe them. Every one of them. You owe every person. Everybody sitting around you at the house, the family. Sometimes you get real aggravated with people at the house, don't you? You owe them something. 
love. Love them. Love them like Jesus has loved you. Love them, love them when they're at their worst and love them when they're at their best. Love them because you need to be loved in the same way. We love one another as we've been loved by Christ. And when we do that, we show mercy and we forgive because we have been so greatly forgiven. So we pray for, and by the way, I should have mentioned verse 11 to 12, there's a conjunction. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. See, I got to have daily bread, but I got to be forgiven every day. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It would be so wonderful, some of you tonight, if you would release those people that you have come to hate. Just release them and give them to God. Just release them. You can go to sleep tonight and you won't even have to take melatonin. You can go to sleep. It would be unbelievable. You might even sleep in. What would you do if you were late for school because you were having such restful sleep? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near unto the door. And so we say today, come Lord Jesus.